0: Thank you. Oh, amen. Okay, grab a seat. I sure hope that guy you introduced shows up. I guess what you sow, you reap. I always tease the people that preach in our church. I said, you preach in our church. You better preach good. <laughs> we just did some special meetings breaking in the new year, getting ready for the best year of our life. Hallelujah. And, uh, a couple of our, my, my uh, brothers, uh, one of my sons in the Lord and another young man that are, they're pastoring different places. They came and preached and I just said, you know, you gotta do good when you preach here. <laughs> so I reaped it. I sowed it and I reaped it. Thank you very much. Tracy, that wasn't announcements, dear. That was pronouncements. Hallelujah. And, uh, by the way, if you've never been to an Encounter, we we do the same same deal. It is cleansing. It is powerful. And I'll just give you one testimony from Encounters. We've had people come into our church that have been in Pentecostal charismatic churches all their life. Older people never broke through to receive the Baptist Holy Spirit. We don't even pray for them anymore. We just have them stand up and say, be filled, and boom! It happens at Encounter because the sense of freedom and cleansing... Is so great. They know how to receive the gift, Hallelujah, from Jesus. So, I mean, if that's you, if you're having, if you're struggling, even in the release of the gifts of the Spirit, we've just found that encounters are, are the great Holy Ghost leverage that just moves us into that next place. As a matter of fact, Penny's announcing our encounters today. You, you, you'll have to teach her how to do that. That that, that preaching that that's great. You know, it's wonderful. But don't ever get mad at me, please. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you never would, but just you know Just so be nice to me if you do. You could preach, okay. Thank you, Kevin, for that great introduction. We we this is the mutual respect society, you know, we do really love each other. Hallelujah. And we're in covenant one for another. And it's an honor for us to be part of Pastor Kevin and Tracy's lives and for them to share with us and download into us, and to be a part of your church life, too, behind the scenes. We pray for you guys. We're engaged in this taking the land, this building thing you're up against. Our leaders know about it. We pray for you. We believe in God for you. This is a great and exciting step, and uh, we're connected. Hallelujah. We're going to see a lot of each other in the years to come. Amen? And so this is a good thing. Uh, I'd like you to go to your Bibles, if you would, this morning, to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians 2. I have a great anticipation in my spirit, had a great night's sleep, woke up early this morning, paced around my hotel room praying in the spirit, got dressed, got ready, I was way ahead of schedule, I had to go out in the parking lot and pace around, I had so much pace in me. I was out there pacing around praying in tongues and a cop car drove by, I thought they probably called the police on me. I I have that anointing, I I just attract things, you know. If you got like an outstanding warrant or something, don't hang around with me. <laughs> the, the, they will find you. They will just, it's, like a, it's like a magnet. They just they just come to me. Hallelujah. So uh, the guy drove by, and I literally thought, I wonder if somebody thinks I'm checking out cars in the parking lot or something. I'm about to, you know, lift somebody's car out of here. But I was just praying in the Spirit, having a good old time. I would say minding my business, but that's not the truth. I was minding the king's business. Hallelujah. I was doing some business on your behalf this morning. So let's see what the Lord says and how He will speak to us today. Amen. Ephesians 2, uh, I'm going to read 12 through 22, okay? Let's do that in Jesus' name. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And now in Christ Jesus, you who are once uh, been brought near, once so far I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in the flesh the entity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to god in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners and fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now in the first verses here, in verses 2 through 18, he talks about two concepts. He talks about the provision of Christ. Isn't that good news? You needed somebody to make provision for you. You needed somebody to buy that process for you. You needed somebody to include you in their plan. So in those first verses, he talks about the provision and the process. We are people who have been greatly provided for. You are sitting as a rich person, as a person, as a man or woman of divine inheritance this morning. But we will be bankrupt in that inheritance. We will leave nothing to the next generation unless we understand there is a connected purpose with that provision. Are you with me? So I want to focus on that purpose this morning. So I'm going to jump ahead to verse 19 through 22. Now let me give you the end of the story first, because a lot of times the way I live my life, I like to look at the end and say, okay, where am I going that helps me to get there? I like to look at the blueprint and say, this is what we're building, and I'm not going to build anything that's less than that. If this is what's prescribed, then let's just do that and not waste a lot of time and energy and talent. Amen? So let's look ahead to verse 22, because this tells us God's ultimate intention. And here's, I'll just throw this in at no extra charge. Listen, when you're in the race and you're struggling and you're falling forward, you're doing everything you can. If you understand where you're going, it enables you to keep going. Many believers fall and faint because they simply have never been told, they don't understand, or the enemy has blocked their vision about where they're going. And when you don't know where you're going, and you feel like you're driving by the same scenery over and over again, you're lost, and you want to give up, and you want to quit. So that's why God is always reminding us, this is what I'm doing, and this is where we're going. So let's just look at verse 22. And then we're going to go back and go through this purpose, okay? In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. God, in His humor, has selected you and I to be radically, eternally, covenantally committed together that He might, I like what the New American Center says here, have a habitation, a dwelling place of His Spirit. Our first allegiance this morning is not the the, the ministry to one another. It's not uh, serving one another. Listen, it's not even loving one another. That's a byproduct of us loving God. Our obligation this morning is to be wor- worshippers of the Most High God, and leave here today and not rate the preacher, not rate the worship leader, not rate you know the, the 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 coffee that was served in the morning or whatever happens in your house, but to say, did we please God today? Was God smiling on us as a church family today? Did we give the Lord honor? Did we give Him out of everything we are and even everything we're not? That's our obligation. If we get that right, then we have an opportunity to get everything else right. If we don't get that right, no matter how good, no matter how sophisticated, no matter how educated, no matter how slick we are with everything else, we've missed the target and we've built something that God is not going to have it. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to waste like that. Because I tend to put all my energy into something. I know it's the right thing. I'm going to give it all. If it's not the right thing, I'm not going to give it anything. I'm going to starve that thing to death. It's going to die in the installment plan because I'm not going to feed it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we are going to become, we are becoming, we are walking in that habitation. I was in the office earlier this morning, Pastor, and I heard these intercessors out here. I was so excited to say, Pastor, let's write. I just want to get out there and, and get in on that a little bit. I want to get a couple I want to get some of that. I was so impressed with all those people that were here this morning just crying out to God. I'll tell you what, do you think God ignores that? I think God's looking seated on his throne, looking over heaven pointing to the angel saying, That's my boys. Those are my girls. Hallelujah. He's a father. He's pleased with that. That we're adoring Him and loving Him and proclaiming who He is and what He wants to do. He is delighted in that. We're just not talking about meeting human needs uh, to elevate ourselves or to make people feel good about themselves, but that we are the creation of God that's being redeemed and we're part of that army that's raising up and redeeming them. And He's rejoicing in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's our ultimate intention. And you know what? That intention is not different for you. Your intention as a believer, as a disciple, is to become a habitation of God. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever venue your hand is, that you carry the glory and the purpose of God with you in Jesus' name. So let's see then result. We are going to be a habitation of God. And let's go back to verse 19 here. I'm just going to go verse by verse right through here this morning. Now therefore, the New American Center says, So then, that's kind of more like my kind of language. So then, so then, in conclusion, right? You ever been on a job interview? Ever been on a college interview? You know, and you're like, you're like doing your best, right? You want to say all the right things. You're, you're just like really self-conscious. Most of us are in those situations because we're being examined to see if we get accepted, right? And then after, and then after we find out we've been accepted, after we get the acceptance letter, or we get the phone call, or they push the offer across the desk, whatever, there's this great sigh of relief. Cause we feel like, hey, I'm in, hallelujah. I'm in. Hey, I got good news for you this morning. If you've been born again, you're in. You can't get any more in than you are right now. Now some of us gotta start acting like we're in. So then, you got to tell the devil some morning, so then, I'm in, because you're in, start acting like it. What would that guy who got the job, if he didn't show up on Monday morning, and and the boss called him and said, I hired you, he said, well, you know, I, I wasn't sure if you really meant it. What would the professor say, if you didn't show up for class on the second day, well, That was great yesterday. Do I get to come back again? Yeah. You get to pay and stay. Hallelujah. (laughs) So then, in conclusion, because of, therefore, whatever you want to put in there, you are no longer, and I love the terminology here. Don't you love how God speaks to us in our vernacular? Don't you love how He really goes to the heart of the issue? You know what he's saying? I don't care if you've come from the greatest of the families or the least of the families. I don't care if you don't even know who your family was. I don't care what your spiritual pedigree is and how much you know and how much you don't know. I don't what your background is or what your forward progress may be. You are no longer a stranger. You are a citizen. You are a son. You are a daughter. Hallelujah. Have you ever been to a, a court adoption proceeding? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I ran an adoption agency for a while, so I'd, ha- I'd have to go to those sometimes, you know. And I'd go with those parents. i said, say, listen, the judge is going to ask you some questions. He's going to ask you, do you understand that this child has the same rights as your natural-born children? He's going to ask you if you understand that they're entitled to your inheritance, they're entitled to your name. They're entitled to your name? That's a question they ask. That's a great question. And I think the Spirit of God is asking the same question to His church today. Do you believe that you are entitled to His name? Not because you've earned it, because He has provided it. So then! Yes. Give me some so then people! We are no longer strangers and foreigners. These things are not afar off. These things are not distant to us. These things are not, we just don't come to them. They now come to us. They are a part of us. We leak those things. We breathe those things. We bleed those things. We are not, we don't have to show our passport. We don't have to prove who we are now. We're in. You're in. You've been accepted. Hallelujah. See, that's the foundation of my relationship with God. My foundation is not that I'm trying to prove myself to Him. My foundation is that He has made provision for me. Hallelujah. Provision. Great word, by the way. <laughs> if you want to have vision, you've got to believe in provision. Listen, it gets better. But fellow... Citizens. Equal citizens. Now this is something we miss in the body of Christ. I'm just convinced that we don't get this a lot. That we've got to understand that our purpose and our function are two different things. My purpose is is to be a son. It's to be a faithful son. It's to be a container and a carrier of the glory of God wherever I go and whatever I do. Hallelujah. My function in life or even in ministry does not determine my value. What somebody pays for something determines their value. Now, I was raised on the street. I was a street kid. I left home when I was 15 years old got saved in a housing project on a, on a street corner through some ladies that hung around the Assembly of God church and got filled with the Holy Ghost and ran out and started preaching on a street corner to a gang of kids before somebody told them that wouldn't work. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad nobody got to them. I'm glad the doubters and the naysayers, I'm glad the spirit of fear didn't get to them because they got to me. How The first time I'd ever heard the gospel in my whole life. No one in my whole life had ever witnessed to me. I'd never been to church, didn't know anything about God. I didn't know the difference between Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, and that's a true statement. Completely ignorant. And they came all summer long, Friday nights, Saturday nights, we hung on that corner. And they just preached and shared and loved and manifested the kingdom of God. It was the wildest thing ever. We called them the Koop group. We thought they were all crazy, and they were, hallelujah. They were completely out of this world. But they knew the Word, and they could flow in the Spirit. Hallelujah. But see, I learned on the street as a street kid, if somebody would pay something for something, that was its value. You know? Whatever one person was crazy enough to pay for it, that's what the value was set. So when I came into the kingdom, I was able to grab that. I had more understanding of God's provision than some people had been to Bible college. Because I understood how it really worked. If there was one person, if God was crazy enough, please excuse that, to buy me in all my field and everything I was and everything I wasn't and put that price down, then he got me. Hallelujah. I think he got a bad deal, but he paid the price anyway. You can think he got a bad deal, but you still got a soul sticker on you as far as the King of Kings is concerned. Yeah. When He looks at you, He sees sold. I'm not up for hire. I'm not out to the highest bidder anymore. Because I've been bought with a price. You are sold. And God is jealous over you in Jesus' name. Passionately jealous. So that's my value. Then what I get to do is just an outworking of my faith. So I don't have to compare myself to somebody. When I hear Dr you know, preach and the way he's able to put words together. I don't go, oh man, I'm just a loser because I can't preach like that. When I hear when I hear somebody sing, I know, you know, you got some good people here, but no one here can sing like I can. I didn't say it was good, I just said it was different. I mean I have a unique gift, that's just the way I choose to look at it. I was preaching at Brother Rod's church years ago when he was the pastor, and we were having a Holy Ghost hoedown. I mean, it was like cloud was in the building, you know? And I'm just, you know, like, I get loud. I only, I don't have a bass in trouble. I just have a volume switch. That's part of my problem. And I'm just bellering, (laughs) you know? And Brother Rod looks at me, he's right beside me, Brother Keith? I said, yeah, he said, you sure sing bad. (laughs) So I have a gift that's unique, and if you get jealous, that's your problem. People watch me clap and go, how do you do that? I said, I just, it's got my own thing going on here, you know what I'm saying? But do you realize that in church life, do you want me to be really honest with you this morning? How many people want what they paid for this morning? Listen to me. I'm going I'm to let you in. Most church problems are rarely over issues even worth fighting for. In my whole life of planting churches and pastoring churches and overseeing churches, I think I probably have one really good doctrinal fight that was really worth going to the mat for. Are you with me? I mean, where people really believe something, they just weren't pecking and poking. And there is a time when you take a stand on those things. you understand me? But you know what most of it is? Most of it is because we haven't so thened ourselves in. And we get offended by a function or a lack of function. And we begin to feel outcast. We begin to feel like foreigners. And we think, it's, we think it's because somebody did something or somebody didn't do something. Oh, say amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And we become tongue-talking humanists because one of the roots of humanism is that a person's function determines their value. What kind of education they got, what kind, what things they can produce. Okay. Rather than saying, wait a minute, you know, ask ask an answer. I got a soul sucker. My value was determined when Jesus looked through the quarters of time and said, I know no one else would do this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay everything for them, that's my value. Why would I trade it in for anything less than that? Why would I make my value about how many people come listen to me preach? Why would I make my value about how many facts I can know? Why would I make my value about you know how good I can sing or how bad I can do something? Else? That, I'm not going to trade that in. That's a bad trade. Are you with me? Don't you do it. Don't make an exchange that is not divine. He said here that we are fellow citizens. See, now already the tenor of this passage is beginning to change. Because now He's starting to treat us not just as needy people, but now He's starting to treat us as empowered sons and daughters. Now He's going to begin calling us citizens. That's a strong word. Most of our country don't have no clue what that even means. See, a citizen is a responsible-based person, not a rights-based person. It's not about my rights, it's about my response-ability. Good word. Response-ability. Your ability is connected to your response-ability. Okay? And so I get on the... Offense rather than the defense. I start responding to God in my ability because now I'm a citizen and I get to contribute something to the whole, but not by myself. Look at the words with the saints. He didn't say go out and do this. Go out and be a one man army. Right. Exactly. I get amused by people out there that you know I'm going to run out and you know do spiritual warfare by myself. I said, listen, can I just share something with you? God does not call soldiers. He calls armies. He calls soldiers into armies. So you can't be a soldier unless you're an army. You can't play ball unless you're part of the team. You can't make babies unless you're married with God's blessing. Did you know that? That's not the first time you heard that, right? Okay. There's a lot of people, that'd be a revelation to them. What, what, what? Why? Because God is always building something. Not just blessing something, but building something. And often we're asking God to bless something that He's not building. He wants to bless us, but He wants to bless us in the place that He's putting so that the blessing will be contained. So that all the seed will not just be eating. It will not be just consumed. You know, I I can remember to this day the first time I was asked to be used by my pastor. Now again, you've got to appreciate my background. I was a loser. I was an accident looking for a place to happen. I was voted most likely to die in my senior class. And the only reason I graduated because the principal said, if I give you this diploma, do you promise you won't come back? That's a true story. <laughs> the taxpayers got ripped off on my education, let me just tell you that. But I can remember, after a few months of being in the church, rough, undone, Long hair, you know, my pastor said to me he said, "We have some ladies in the church, some senior citizens. there's about four or five of them, and the last year or two, their husbands have all gone to be with the Lord. And it would be easy if I just had one person that would pick them all up for church. Would you do that? I thought I was talking to the angel Gabriel, and he asked me to make a divine declaration to the United Nations. I'll be honest, I went home and wept. I wept like a baby. God would use me? Somebody would trust me with the church van? (laughs) (laughs) I did flip the air cleaner over on it. Guys will know what that means. Hello? I'm a gearhead at heart. But you know what? Years later, after I planted a church and came back to the church to be associate pastor, I served those same ladies in their last days communion as they went to be with the Lord. Saints of God in their 80s and 90s, every one of them. And I asked the Lord, because I had seen enough. You know, sometimes when you come off the street and you have no church culture, you actually see things clearer. I had a Bible school professor. Uh, her husband had been a pastor who had, had died in a tragic accident, and she was a professor. And she used to say, you're just so, so much fun to teach because you don't know anything. <laughs> I used to think, is that a good is that is that a She complimented it? I was so stupid, I didn't know. And I still am like that. You've got to really work to offend me. Honestly. I mean, I've been insulted by experts. Sometimes they'll say things to me, and I'll walk away and think, I, I don't think that was a good thing. But I wanted to keep that because I saw people who had gotten just familiar, not intimate, but familiar right. Right. with the things of God. And I said, God, I always want to be in that place that when, that when you ask me or somebody asks me, even if it's something I can't do or I shouldn't do, that I consider it just an honor even to be included in the purpose of God so that. So then, I want that to live so big in my spirit, in the name of Jesus. Citizenship speaks of equal commitment, but different gifting. I'll be honest with you. If we're going to do the works of Jesus that he told us to do in this house, with this church, and that's why we're here, we're not here to be entertained, we're not here to be massaged, we're not here to take up our time. We're here to understand that we are part of that divine habitation. Remember verse 22. And what that means is that everybody's commitment has got to be equal. It doesn't mean your gift's got to be equal, but your commitment's got to be equal. And any type of a healthy relationship in a family, in a team, I mean, who likes to root for a team where all where when you got one guy on the team and all he's worried about is getting the ball or his statistics? There is something in us that says we don't even like those people, even if they're good. Right? There's just something in us. Isn't that true? Why? Because because we were made to be part of a family. We were made to be part of a team. And if we could understand that, it would be great. But it goes back to that value question that's got to be a sealed deal on our heart. We've got to know the provision is done and God is not going to renege on that. That's the foundation of every other covenant, of every other decision we're going to make in our life. And that's what enables us to be part of a team that when somebody gets blessed, we honestly rejoice rather than saying, where's mine? That's how you know you're free. That's how, you know, when you see somebody getting blessed and you think, Lord, if I was you, I probably wouldn't do what you did, but I'm sure glad you are who you are. Hallelujah. Because you can give it all away, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We don't want to have that older brother attitude, do we, in Jesus' name? We get to rejoice. We get to celebrate to them. We get to love it when they're promoted or when God uses them or God visits their house or touches their body or blesses their finances or sees their kids promoted. We rejoice even if we're in pain in those very areas of our life because we're citizens of the household of God. So then, we won't let it die It just keeps cropping up through us. We are a responsibility-based people, not a rights-based people. Then he moves on here and says, we are of God's household. I love that word. Coming from the kind of family background I did, I love that word. I love the family of God. The church was a whole new experience with me. I'd never seen anything like this. I remember my first day when those ladies took me to church. The first thing that happened, there was these two big guys at the door, and they hugged each other. And we had two sets of glass doors, and I went through the glass doors, and I went just like this. I thought, I'm out of here. That was the first thing I saw. The dudes I hung with, we didn't, hang, we didn't hug one another. Are you with me? That wasn't remotely cool. And one of those ladies just grabbed hold of me. So they're just retired and grabbed hold of me, just like this, you know. I, I didn't have to say a word. She saw it too. She knew exactly what I was thinking. I had never experienced anything like that. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen people really love one another like that. I'd never seen people passionately express their love for God. They sang "This Is the Day the Lord Has Made" thirty-four times. And I thought. These people might love God, but they're very limited in their vocabulary. And then, this is true, then the lady in front of me passes out, or I thought she passed out. She just fell over. Boom. Right in front of me, of all the places in the whole church, just fell over, cracked, banged her head on the floor, between the pews. And I'm thinking, why don't they help this woman? She didn't make a scene or anything. Jesus was just down and out, hallelujah. The glory, the glory of God had visited her, hallelujah. She was having a one-lady camp meeting right on the floor. I was like, whoa. What an experience. Well, you know, we don't want to do that because that will turn people off. It turned me on, hallelujah. I wanted the glory of God. That's why this has got to be a house of worship. That's why God is first. Hallelujah. We want to reach men's hearts. We want to reach their minds. We don't want Jesus to fit into your life. Give me a break. We've lied to the whole world some Jesus wants to be a part of your life. No, He doesn't. He wants to run your life. He wants to consume your life. He wants you to be a part of His life. Thank God Jesus didn't come to be a part of my life. I would have messed Him up too. He'd have been in this weird container. Well, don't say, it. don't say it. Don't, I know what you're thinking. I got the sermon of thoughts. Hallelujah, the gift of suspicion right here flowing. But then something bizarre happened to me. I always have always had bizarre things happen. So here I was, this young guy, fire for God getting discipled, being ministered to, in a great church, hallelujah, went off to Bible school, came back, went out and planted a church, God blessed it, how? To this day, I don't have a clue. People say, how you do that? I, say, I just preached my heart out. I think people were afraid if they didn't come to church, I'd come to their house and preach. They thought it'd be better to contain me during the church service. And after one year, I said to Penny, I said, I have have no idea what to do next, so we better find a pastor for this church. I told him everything I know. That was the truth. So after one year, raised the church up. God blessed it. We had some supernatural miracles that happened, God raising up, radical miracles of healing. God visited us. But after one year, I was only like 22 years old. And I said, we got to find a pastor. So... I actually knew what to do the next step. It was amazing. So I went out and found an older guy and said, We I need a pastor in this church. Back to our went back to our home church. Uh our our home church was continuing to grow. Our 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 senior pastor needed help and so we were sharing the preaching responsibilities and uh it was great to be with him because I just loved and appreciated him so much. And I'm sitting in my office one day, just reading the Bible, right? And I was a pretty young guy, but But I'd had the advantage of being in a good church. I'd had the advantage of getting a a fairly reasonable theological education. And I was, you know, hungry, so I was learning a lot. And I'm in my office reading this passage from the Bible. And I'm reading about the church, and this frightening thought comes to me. I thought, I don't even know what the church is. Here I am, the associate pastor of church, I've already been the founding pastor of another church. I'm not preaching in jails and on the streets and you know just anywhere where there's a moving target. You know, doing everything I can. I'm excited about Jesus. And then I started thinking in all my classes and all my understanding, I've learned all kind of details about the church. I've learned how to finance a church, how to administrate the church, learned the doctrines about the church. But no one in all and I went got my manuscripts out. I got the books out. I said, there is no one that has ever said this is what the church is. And that started a quest for me that I'm still on. Because I know the church is the heart of God. It's His bride. That's His heart. Are you with me? And I I just got so hungry that I I wanted to know what that church was. And the only way I can describe it to you is like this. It's like when a young man looks at a young woman for the first time. And she's totally fascinating. And completely... Beyond his understanding. Now, most men, if they were to find out 40 years later, they'd still be in the same experience. Completely fascinated and completely beyond their understanding, they'd probably want to cry right there. That's a joke. I do have some sense of humor. And that's how we look at the church. We, we look at it and go, oh, it's, it's fascinating, it's beautiful to, to see what that church can do. You know, oh, my goodness. But what is, what is the nature of... Now, ladies, I don't want to show hands, but isn't that the hard cry of, of most women? I say even most men. Like If they would just know who I am, just know what I'm about, you know? You know, I think that's God's hard cry to us today. If they would just know what the church is about instead of trying to get stuff out of the church. If they would become fellow citizens. If they'd become part of the household. Part of the... Domestic activity of the church. If I could show them what the church was, hallelujah. You know, I tell, I, I tell those stories that, you know, the first 10 years of our marriage, we're, we've married 34 years now. We have eight children. Praise the Lord. And uh, for the first 10 years of our marriage, I tried to tell Penny how smart I was. For the last 25 years, I've been trying to tell her how stupid I am. And uh, a couple years ago, we had this, we had this big dog. He was a big, great Dane mix creature. And he was the most affectionate beast you've ever seen in your life. He was ridiculous. I'd be out there cutting the lawn on the lawnmower, and this dog would jump up on my lap. He weighed like 150 pounds. I'm like, you know. But he was mischievous. So Penny and I one day are having a marital discussion over the dog. I said, This is crazy. We've raised eight kids, and now we're having tension over how to discipline a dog? Are you kidding me? She's saying, you're being just too rough on the dog. (laughs) I can beat the kids but I can't touch the dog, you know? She said, you, you just got to give that dog some grace. He doesn't know any better. I said, doesn't know any better. When he does something mischievous, I don't even say a word. He just looks at me and runs and hides because he knows he sinned. <laughs> she said, but he's just a big dumb dog. I said, okay. Take out a sheet of paper. She said, why? I said, I just want to take you. She said, you're going to trick me. I said, I'm not going to trick you. Where would she get that idea? I said, just take out a sheet of paper. I said, okay. So she does it. I hand her a Sharpie. I said, now write on there, big, dumb dog. She says, what are you up to? I said, just write it. Is that what you believe? Yeah. I said, just write what you believe in. Be a woman of your convictions. So she writes on a big, dumb dog. I go and get some tape, and I tape it to my chest. And I said, I want the same grace in this house that that dog gets. Every time you look at me and you say, I can't believe you didn't do it, or I can't believe you did that, what were you thinking? I want you to think, he's just a big, dumb dog. If it's good enough for the dog, it should be good enough for me. That's all I want. I want to be treated like a dog around here. She said, you tricked me. But I think that's how we relate to the church sometimes. We have very little really understanding. Because you know what? We are frail. We are weak. We do have needs. We do have anticipation. There are things that press our buttons. But we've got to be so then, people. We've got to understand that the provision has been made. The value question is forever settled in heaven. You know, one of the great things I've learned in my walk with the Lord is God's voice always says because, and the voice of condemnation always says if. God's voice says because I love you, because I care, because I have a future. The voice of the enemy is if you really love God, if you were really committed, if you really believe this, if you really did that, because and if. The voice of affirmation voices versus the voice of accusation. They're two great different voices. Now let's go to verse 21 here. In whom the whole building, say whole. Whole. That means every part. That means everybody. Is anybody here? Is there anybody here that's not in anybody? But I say, there, everybody's included. You're not excluded. See, you can sit even in a church like this where there's obviously an outpouring of love, where there's programs and principles and classes and things involved, and you can sit there and think, that doesn't pertain to me. Do you know why? Because you're not in so-then territory. That's right. You've got to include yourself in. You got hired. Show up for the work next day, will you? Yeah, in whom the whole building... See, now we've gone from a concept. The body an organic thing, it's still going to stay organic, to something that is rising up, something that is housing something, that glory of God that we talked about. The whole building being fitted together. What is the purpose of the relational dynamic in the body of Christ? It is that we get fitted together. I wrote in my Bible in the trunk, in the thing, fouled not just fitted. Because to get fitted, you, 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 that saw in the background, that's parts of your life. Zoom. Zoom. Why? So that you can be fitted. People say, well, I want to be loved like I am. Oh, God does you a step better. He loves you so much like you are, He's not going to leave you like that. Hallelujah. That's even better. That's the next step up. God is Fitting us together. He's molding us together. He's connecting us together. Why? That we will not waste the the anointing of God. That when He fills up this bucket called His church, it will retain the glory of God and be able to splash it on some other folks as they come by in Jesus' name. In whom the whole body is being fitted together grows. This is a growing temple. This is an organic temple. What? A holy temple in the Lord. Who is the focus of this growth? Who is it? It's the Lord. It's bringing glory to Him. It's being a worshiping community. See, if that's not our essence of who we are is pleasing God, then anything can interrupt our process and our progress. Here's the good news. If worshiping God and bringing pleasure to God is the focus of what we're doing, there's nothing that can stop us. They can persecute us. They can confiscate us. They can put us in jail. They can burn down our buildings. They can arrest our Sunday school teachers. They can do any, And they literally cannot stop us from being the church. That's the essence. We are worshipers of the Most High God. They can outlaw it. They can do anything. But that's what we're called to do. It literally cannot be stopped. Hallelujah. All these other things we do are to push that agenda, push that vision forward. They're worthy things, but they're not an end to themselves. The provision of Christ is our focus and what he wants us to do with that divine provision in Jesus' name. And it's growing into a holy temple in the Lord. The glory of God. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in the glory of God? Have you ever tasted the glory of God? Have you ever seen the glory of God? You know, I think that's one of the funnest things about being a pastor. It's seeing the Lord reveal Himself and touch people in ways that they can't even communicate. The glory of God visits their temple and touches them. It's so fun seeing people that in their natural lives would never be attracted to one another, would have nothing in common, but you put them in the house of God, and because they're passionate about Jesus, their lives begin to intersect, and radical things happen. You know that drives the world crazy that 's why they always think we got these great conspiracies. oh yeah well they must they must have a conspiracy because they believe the same thing. they act the same way. No, we just have the same Lord. <laughs> we have the same general, hallelujah. We have the same Father, we have the same redeemer in jesus name now let 's go to this last verse again let 's go back there. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling. Not just a visitation now, but a habitation. Now years ago they were rebuilding the Pittsburgh Zoo. I'm going back a ways now. And they were taking all the animals out of the cages and they were creating these natural habitats. There was a a fellow in our church who was a landscape architect whose firm was working on that. So I went down to meet him a couple times where they were down to work and had lunch with the guys down there and stuff, you know. And he would take me around and show me what they were doing and how they were building these habitats. It's pretty interesting. His name was Carl. He said, do you know why they want to do this? I said, well, I guess I don't. He said, because there's one thing that animal will do better in that habitat than they'll do in that cage. What do you think that thing is? Procreate. They will reproduce. And I'm going to tell you, no matter where you're at in life, listen, I want you to hear my heart here. No matter where you're at in life, if you're in so-then territory, you are a man or a woman that has redemption in your heart and in your mouth. You don't have to wait till you know more Bible verses, till you've been through more training, till you know what the wheel on the wheel in the book of Ezekiel means. Okay? You have to let the life of God flow out of you. You've got to let the spirit of reproduction come out of you to reach out to people like me that so many people had passed by, making a judgment on my life, not even giving me a chance to hear the good news. There some guys I went to high school with after you know, I got born again and even started ministry. I was, I was doing this meeting one time and these guys showed up at this meeting. And uh, they were in a meeting. They come up and say, hey, man, we, we heard about, you know, what God did in your life. thing." I said, are you guys believers? They said, yeah. I said, were you believers in high school? They said, yeah. I said, really? I said, and uh, did the thought ever cross your mind like the witness to me? Oh, we just thought you wouldn't be interested. Man, I let him have it. I said, who were you to judge me? To assume that God was not big enough or good enough to get to me. You talk about making a judgment on somebody. I don't think that's the response they expected to hear from me. But my life was close to death so many times because of the lifestyle I was leading that I could have, I could have leas- easily been in hell. So I had a little attitude about it. I a little chippy about it, you know. Verse 22, he talks about being built, about being anchored, about being blended, about becoming one. See, if you're just an individual piece, you can be fascinated, you know? Like, I, I enjoy architecture to some degree. And uh, I was out looking at these, uh, these really, really nice homes where they're doing this, like, incredible molding and these fittings. And I've noticed what they do. You know, they've uh, you got some good carpenters here. You'd appreciate they're you doing know, these, like, seven-layer moldings. And they, they cut them and trim them and sand them and fit them. And they fit them. And, they, and that guy will spend all day fitting a piece. It's amazing. You know, they fit them and they fit it. And once that thing's fitted, they nail it down. And it's not coming out of there. You're not going to get it out of there one piece. The only way you're going to get it out of there is by breaking it. Because you're not even going to be able to find the seam in that thing. And see, what we've done so often in the body of Christ is we've just worked on our own part. We've just worked on our own part. It's called pietism. Feeling good about our own spirituality and missing the purpose for which God is in the work of perfecting us. We talk about bearing fruit. But you know what? I have some apple trees on my property. And I'll be honest with you. If I was out there and I saw one of those apple trees eating an apple, I'd run for my life. Fast. We do not bear fruit to consume it upon ourselves. We bear fruit that others that are passing by might be nurtured with that fruit. Those who will come and pick it or eat it off the ground, whatever it may be. That's the purpose of us bearing fruit, is it might contribute to the whole. That's what he's talking about. Being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That habitation God wants us to become one because He is one. And that is the greatest reflection of His character. He does not shift or change His mind at all. So then, that's God's invitation to us today. And God is sounding that voice on many levels. A congregation and a church are two different things. A congregation is where people congregate. I got arrested one time. I've been arrested a few times, actually. But the greatest charge I ever had, this is a true story, it's a true story. I went to visit Janet Reno. She was holding a town meeting. And I have special friends in my life who are always writing checks with my body. (laughs) So they said, Janet is holding a town meeting in Wichita, Kansas, and we think you ought to go and prophesy to her. I said, oh, really? So I prayed about it, and I thought, they're right. I should. (laughs) So I called a couple friends and said, guess where we're going. Hallelujah. Because that's what covenant friends do. This is a bigger, drop what you're doing, this is what we're doing. So we get off the airplane, and my friends there had called a press conference. So the media was there, okay? And of course, the radicals have come to town, right? So we end up in the meeting that's in a big church. And I'm sitting there, about five or 600 people, and all of a sudden I get this tap on my shoulder, and this guy's got an earplug in from the Secret Service, he goes, come with me. And when they do that, it's a good idea to come. <laughs> Just practice your obedience, you know. So they take me out. He said, i got a warrant for your arrest. I said, what's the charge? He said, eh, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> they handcuffed me in the lobby of the church. March me out. Bring me in front of the magistrate. But, so I'm, I'm a little worked up. <laughs> that little chippy thing came back on me. And I'm demanding to know why I'm here and what I've been charged with. The magistrate can't even look me in the eye. He's got his head bent over and he reads the charge to me. This is the truth. I have this on paper. Conspiracy to commit loitering. I said, Your Honor, isn't that planning on doing nothing? And then I said, I know a lot of Christians who are guilty of that. (laughs) And he laughed. (laughs) I got out of jail the next day after Janet left town. That's what it was all about. They didn't want anybody prophesying in that meeting. But thank God some other people, emboldened by my chains, rose up and prophesied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) So we don't want to be accused of conspiracy to commit loitering, do we? I was very offended by that charge. I want to make it plain that that was not my agenda there. God wants to build us into one. See, that's why our churches are connected. That's why we're connected. Because we understand it's You know, if it's good on this level, it's got to be good on the next level. It has to be. It has to be real. It has to be functional. Because the task is the world. The call is complete victory. Amen. And you know what? So then, for you, you're included in that. That's part of your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. God, by His divine provision, has made you able to participate. And all your deficits, and all your failures, and all your attitudes, and all your self-induced anything else does not disqualify you from God. He has stayed committed because the process and the price are a done deal. Now He just wants you to embrace the purpose. Hallelujah. Stand up with me this morning.